By the time I met him, he was at a breaking point. He wanted out, he was willing to take risks, and we collaborated to really expose the system. And that collaboration was a really big aha moment for me, realizing that the narrative in this country that farmers are these independent, happy farmers is false. And you just have to ask a farmer to know that. And especially when it comes to chickens and pigs and the way that they're raised, these farmers are under contract. They're essentially indentured servants. And if we can figure out another pipeline for them, another way of them paying off that debt and living on the land, they will take it in a second. This is the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast, and I'm your host, Maya Acosta. If you're willing to go with me, together we can discuss discover how simple lifestyle choices can help improve our quality of life and increase our longevity in a good way. Let's get started. Okay, so welcome back to another episode of the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast. I have Leah Garces with me. Welcome, Leah. Thank you so much, Maya. I'm so happy to be here. You were the first female president for Mercy for Animals ever. And that was between, was it 17, 2017, 2018? 2018. So tell us what that experience was like and just tell us a little bit about your story and how you got started in the vegan movement. Yeah. Well, um, I've always loved animals. I grew up in Florida um, and we had ducks in my backyard actually. And through watching their lives unfold, their ducklings hatch, I grew up with an affinity for them and realizing that they were every bit as sentient and worthy of a life of joy as the dogs and cats we share our homes with. So I grew up wanting to protect animals. And when I, when I, as I grew and I became informed, I realized that the one place where we cause the most suffering to animals is in our food system. And so that's what I have dedicated my life to. You made an overnight choice when you were a kid. Yeah, I was about 15 when I made the op- to go vegetarian. And it actually wasn't until I had my, my son 13 years ago that I became vegan. And I made this connection with, you know, nursing him and realizing where milk, just this kind of aha moment that I couldn't believe I hadn't made. But I think that gives me really a lot of empathy for people who haven't made that transition, realizing how easy it is to miss the connections. I've watched videos of you going into these chicken factories, and it's very difficult for me to watch content like that. And I have. I've watched the documentaries that are recommended. Tell us how you're working to support people that have grown up, you know, especially generation after generation of being in in a farming family, for example, producing animals. I have been an animal rights activist for so long, and it wasn't until 2014 that I met my first chicken factory farmer. And when I met him, I was definitely expecting someone who was going to be anxious and have a lot of animosity toward me. But instead, I found a human being that was suffering, that didn't want to be in the system. And he had gotten into the system when he was 22 years old as a way to stay on the land that had been passed down generation through generation. And there was no other jobs. There was no other options. So when the chicken companies came to town, this one chicken company came to town and they offered him a contract. They said, if you sign here, we will bring you to the bank and you can take out a quarter of a million dollar loan to build the warehouses And then you'll be able to pay that loan off like a mortgage through raising chickens. So he was like, great, this seems like a dream come true. And it seemed like it at first. And he would raise the chickens and then they would pay him per flock. And then he'd use that money to pay off the loan like a mortgage. But after a little while, it's chicken factory farming and the chickens started to die. They got sick and he doesn't get paid for dead chickens. So the paychecks started to get smaller and the debt was the same every month. 
And so he started to fall behind. He realized he made a mistake, but there was no way out at this stage. By the time I met him, he was at a breaking point. He wanted out. He was willing to take risks. And we collaborated to really expose the system. And that collaboration was a really big aha moment for me, realizing that the narrative in this country that farmers are these independent, happy farmers is false. And you just have to ask the farmer to know that. And especially when it comes to chickens and pigs and the way that they're raised, these farmers are under contract. They're essentially indentured servants. And if we can figure out another pipeline for them, another way of them paying off that debt and living on the land, they will take it in a second. I've also heard that the suicide rate is going up. There's a concept uh, in psychology called moral injury. And it's usually applied to veterans who go to war, they come back, and it's a concept of where you're made to do something that's outside of your moral code, that you're forced to do something. And this is what's happening to the workers and farmers in factory farming. They don't sign up to, like, kill and uh, pick up dead and dying chickens. Slaughterhouse workers do not want to be in this situation either, where they're having to do atrocious things to animals. But the system requires that of them. The, the, this big oppressive system requires that. What we're pushing out on people in this system is a harm that hits them deep in their spirit, deep in their soul, deep in their health. And you do see high rates of suicide in farmers, not only because of this moral injury, but because of the unbelievable debt that they can't get out of. There is no other option. And this is what we want to build. We want to build the other option for them, for the slaughterhouse workers, for the animals, for all of us. They're just trying to make a living at the end of the day. So how are you supporting them? Yeah, in 2018, Mercy for Animals launched a project called Transformation. And we had this idea, this question we wanted to answer, which was, are there farmers that want to transition out of factory farming? And if so, which crops could be used we retrofit their current warehouses to be used to grow other crops, other non-animal products, use the facility in some way where they can still pay off their debt, stay on the land, provide them for their families, which is the root of why they're there, not because of factory farming. And we had over 200 farmers write to us when we launched it without any advertising. There was a flood of people wanting to do this. We weren't ready. We were like, that's, that's way more than we thought. But it was a really good signal that this is, this is real. This is a real pipeline that we need to create. So we started working. We created blueprints. We, we modeled, did economic models for six products. So we looked at specialty mushrooms. We looked at hemp. We looked at microgreens, cucumbers, strawberries, and tomatoes. And two of them came out on top as being the lead in terms of profitability. And they were specialty mushrooms and microgreens. And so we have farmers now that are in our system that are working on retrofitting their chicken. They once raised chickens in these warehouses, and now they're growing mushrooms. And I've visited them, and it's such a beautiful arc where you see farmers coming out of an oppressive system into one of freedom and compassion and a better future for everyone. That's right. And I mean, microgreens are loaded with nutrients. They're like the best foods on the planet. They're great. And, and, and mushrooms, too. I mean, mushrooms are so interesting as a product. They're, they can be all things, you know, and the microgreens are really popular. Those two products are very popular right now. So what can we do, the everyday person that um, is either vegan or not vegan, that thinks about, you know, how farmers are being affected? How can we either guide or inform farmers that there are options for them? Well, send them to Transformation. Send them to our website. Send them to Mercy for Animals and, you know, get them on board. They can voice their... They, it's important that I think farmers uh, voice their concerns to their legislators, too, 
there is a misconception from the legislator's perspective that rural farmers like factory farming, that they should keep supporting it. And it couldn't be further from the truth. And I think we as consumers, wherever you can, kind of opting out of factory farm, any meal, any bite you take that's opting out of factory farming is a step in the, in the good direction. Yeah, You've probably heard this, you know, people say um, over and over again, well, what difference does it make if it's just me? Like if I just choose not to eat any more animal products, it won't create a big change. After all, the product is already in the grocery store, for example. What would you say to that? I think that this is such a fantastic and inspiring issue because so many other issues are so complex. When we think of like systemic oppressions, like racism or misogyny, it's like, what can I do? It's so hard. This one, literally every bite you take, you can make a difference. That's very inspiring to me in a world where everything feels very difficult to change. This is one where you have agency as an individual. That's very inspiring and empowering, I think. I'm so excited to learn more about this program that you have going on. And, uh, and would you like to share any other websites or your social media? Yeah, go to Mercy for Animals on social media. We're on all the platforms and our mercyforanimals.org. Please come be part of our growing organization and people power. We need you to help change the system. And that's right. And by the way, the media pass that I'm wearing has Mercy for Animals. So they're one of the sponsors of the summit. Yes, we were the nonprofit sponsor, the key nonprofit sponsor. We're really proud to be here. I know we helped ensure that there were two stages and more people uh, really proud to get the word out. How impressed are you with the summit? Oh, I love the summit. Isn't this amazing? It just feels like it's growing so fast. There's such an inclusive energy here that I don't feel anywhere else. It's so powerful. And friendly souls, like really wonderful, amazing souls are here. So thank you again, Leah, for stopping by. Thank you so much, Maya. (laughs) You've been listening to the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions podcast with your host, Maya Acosta. If you've enjoyed this content, please share with one friend who can benefit. You can also leave us a five-star review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash HLS. This helps us to spread our message. As always, thank you for being a listener.